This is episode 90 of the Brother Trucker Book Club podcast. TikTok, TikTok, the year is counting down. We've got about six weeks left, and I expect that we will make it to episode 100 in that time. I've already recorded more than 100 because of all the Tales from the Road episodes and the end-of-month report episodes. Uh, so, yeah, it's it has definitely been a busy year. I think when all is said and done, this will shake out to me having recorded an episode on an average of every three days. It has been bloody Nora. 2019 has sucked. But in all honesty, that's part of why I keep finding good books to read because finding good stories on paper kind of reminds me and encourages me to keep finding good stories in real life, finding my own stories in life finding good things that'll keep happening to me or good things that I'll keep getting to do because the world is just ripe with opportunity and potential and there's no shortage of things that I'll get to accomplish in mortality. That being said, let's jump into a couple of spectacular pieces that I've enjoyed and I hope you will too. Ready and... I have already introduced you to the works of DJ Butler. This book is a uh, a collab with another author named Aaron Michael Ritchie. And uh, I jumped into one of his books in late August, early September called the, uh, the Armageddon girls. The series is called the Juniper Wars. Um, Because I knew that Ritchie was teaming up with Butler for this book, which just came out this month. So I wanted to familiarize myself with his writing and, and kind of get a feel for uh, his storytelling method and the, the characters that he develops. And so the the journey of not only finding this book, but becoming familiar with its setting is, uh, is pretty meta then. So uh, while I was working at Turdwater, I had an out-of-town job out in Price, Utah, where we were doing a sewer bypass for some road construction. It lasted about two months, and this is when the pumps ran round the clock. So we had to have a constant watch on the pumps in case one of them shut down or got clogged or something. Because, hey, if that happened, then you'd have sewer water flooding the streets. And that's just yucky. It's a health hazard. So I ended up taking the night shift a couple of times down there. And uh, when I was on the on my my off shift, when I was off shift. Yeah. So I'd I'd work 12 hours and then I'd have the day. So I'd, I'd go get about six hours of sleep in the hotel room. And then I'd use the rest of the time during the day for exercising or whatever. Price is a neat little town, and it's not too far from another town called Helper. And both of these towns were started because of mining and railroads and, uh, to a different extent, agriculture. And Price has a, a, I guess you would call it a branch or a campus of Utah State University, the eastern campus there. And on that campus, they have... A museum of natural history, including several fossils. Uh, Utah itself is just overflowing with fossils. Um, the University of Utah's Natural History Museum in Salt Lake is awesome. Uh, I didn't know there were so many species of Triceratops, for example, and they've got an entire wall with more than a dozen different skulls on it that are all from different breeds of Ceratopsian uh, animals. Uh, well, the the museum in Price was awesome. You, you walk right in and they got a big old um, fossil of a Utah raptor. And then there's a Pleistocene exhibit with a, a almost a complete mammoth in there. Um, they've got some arthropods, excuse me, uh, dire wolf, saber-toothed tiger, 
it's it's just fantastic. And then they've got a really good collection of of other dinosaur skeletons as you go farther into the exhibit. Um, there's the not too far from prices the the Cleveland Lloyd Quarry I think they call it where they've discovered about 70 allosaur skeletons which is a very high concentration for that species. Um, I guess paleontologists were kind of baffled by by what caused them all to be there because you know from what we've been able to ascertain from you know fossil digs and so forth it's not readily apparent whether allosaurs are pack hunters so it's not not all that clear why they would all be gathered together in one place. Anyway, I went to the Natural History Museum in Price, and then I planned on going to the uh, Western Railroad and Mining History Museum in Helper on another day. And unfortunately, uh, I never took the opportunity to do that, so I'll have to do it on, on another trip. But the reason I mentioned that is uh, those museums were part of the research tour that Butler took while he was digging up um, you know, setting information and historical information for the book that I'm about to recommend to you now, which I have, I just realized I have not mentioned by the title. It is called The Cunning Man. Main character is a guy named Hiram Woolley, and the book is set in uh, 1930s Utah. So the depression is in full swing. Um, certain industries have ground to a halt. And uh, our main character is a guy who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is still back when they were known culturally, you know, inside and outside of the church as Mormons. So I'll be using that term going forward uh, you know, for the for the purposes of this piece. But Hiram Woolley is a Mormon, and uh, he and his adopted son, Michael, are, uh, are sent on a run from Salt Lake to uh, Helper to drop off a load of food for the out-of-work miners down there. And uh, the miners are kind of divided up into two different groups. you got the Germans on one side, the Greeks on the other. They are at each other's throats. They've both driven the work to a standstill. Um, they're both led by men that want to run the mine, run the operations in their way. Uh, they, they won't let the other teams come in and work on anything because they think we should dig here, we should do this there. And uh, the situation's getting pretty dire. They're all out of food, out of resources, and the, the food that Hiram has brought will only last about two days. So uh, he's trying to help them come to the, get to the bottom of, of what's going on. Now that on its own might not sound all that thrilling in, in terms of a plot. You know, obviously you could wrangle some tension out of that, but uh, consider the following plot enhancers, story enhancers. Um, the reason work has ground to a standstill at the mine is that they dug up a big, bad, evil, naughty thing, and it's causing all sorts of problems. This is amplified by the fact that, for lack of a better word, magic exists, it's real, and there are certain people that know how to use it, how to control it, without being, you know, outright witches. That's where the, uh, the eponymous cunning man comes in. Hiram is a cunning man. He's a guy who knows how to, how to dabble in this stuff, how to use it to his advantage. And uh, as suspected, there is a supernatural element to what's going on in the mine, and he's trying to figure it all out without drawing too much attention to himself or highlighting his own powers because, you know, people outside of his church would not look on it any more favorably than people inside his church. The fact that he can use these things, it's considered to be evil or dangerous or both. Um, full confession. I have not finished reading this book yet. I'm, I'm a good chunk through it and I'm enjoying it partly because I enjoy Butler's writing. And after reading uh, this other book by Aaron Michael Ritchie earlier this summer, 
Uh, I enjoy his style of storytelling too. They they get the feel of the area right, which is something that I might not have appreciated as much if I hadn't spent two and a half weeks straight, almost, uh, you know, working down in Price and Helper this summer. Um, you know, they you can tell that they their research pays off in lending authenticity to the setting, and uh, and the problems that these guys are up against. And they also ran it up against other historians who helped them root out anachronisms. So uh, it's not it's not originally what I thought it was going to be, where it was uh, like an alternate history, uh, historical fantasy type story where, OK, let's take this interesting, accurate setting and then just completely turn the world upside down by adding magic to it. It's, you know, it could very well be, you know, so far as I've read, so, you know, supposing there aren't any, uh, uh, you know, surprises in the in the third act, it could be very much set in our world with uh, a bit of secret history, secret world action going on. So uh, I'm going to do the rare thing and recommend that you check out The Cunning Man by DJ Butler and Aaron Michael Ritchie. And if for some reason I get to the end of the book and I find out that it's horribly awful and it sucks, I will scream at you in the next episode of this podcast not to read it. But I very much doubt that'll be the case. Like I said, I'm familiar enough with Butler's work and I've jumped into some of Ritchie's that uh, I I think you should check it out. The book only came out about two weeks ago. Um, so if you're if you're into the library side of things, it might not be all that uh, readily accessible. But if you've got an e-reader, you can probably pick up a copy uh, right quick and, and jump into it. So, yeah, that's it. Cunning Man by DJ Butler and Aaron Michael Ritchie. This next gem kind of requires a story behind the story. I'm going to introduce you to another series by the wonderful Larry Correa. Uh, the series is called Tom Stranger, Interdimensional Insurance Agent. It is a series so far of short stories featuring a character who is somewhat robotic, cybernetic. He is able to transport himself between dimensions in space and time. And uh, he is downright unkillable. And his one mission in existence is to deliver top-notch, impeccable quality customer service to uh, everybody that he serves. Um, Larry Korea got the idea, he says, from, uh, you know, he was out on a lunch break with a friend of his and they kept driving past the strip mall on the way to, you know, whatever restaurant they'd like to go to. And there was some guy who had a sign out that said, um, Tom Stanger Insurance or something. And they they always misread that as Tom Stranger. And they started making up jokes about, well, who would Tom Stranger be? What kind of insurance would he sell? And, uh, that obviously, you know, like it often does with good creators and storytellers, you know, spun itself into a concept that I'm sure percolated in the back of Korea's mind for a while uh, until he decided to write this funny story. And Tom Stranger, interdimensional insurance agent, is what came out of it. The first one came out in, uh, let's see, 2017. And uh, I picked it up on Audible because it was originally only available uh, as an Audible short. And then the second one came out last year, and the third one comes out later this year. Um, it's it's primarily a, a very satirical, very uh, parodic, it's, it's a parody type story of just a whole ton of things. And some of it is inside jokes from Larry's blog, but they're, they're funnier if you follow Larry's blog, his website at monsterhunternation.com. But they're, they're readily accessible even if you're outside of it. He pokes fun at pop culture. He fo- pokes fun at, at politics. It's basically an imaginary world where uh, the base universe is 
uh, one that's completely dominated by functional libertarians. So everything is, you know, from, from Larry's perspective, just absolutely awesome. Uh, the president of America is, is uh, Alan. No, not Alan. Alec, Adam Baldwin, the guy who played Jane on Firefly. And uh, the guy who's in charge of it is the interdimensional Lord of hate, Larry Correa. But at one point, Tom Stranger, the inter- interdimensional cyborg insurance agent, transports himself to another dimension, which is our dimension where Larry Korea is just a very successful novelist and nothing more. Um, anyway, the, the story centers on Tom stranger taking on uh, an apprentice an intern, Jimmy, who uh, has a gender studies degree, which is, uh, you know, another running punchline in, in the Korea verse. And, uh, Tom stranger is trying to teach Jimmy how to unleash his inner customer service agent so that Jimmy can can learn how to uh, to take care of his customers. Um, there's meta level stuff. Like I said, the second book opens up with uh, Tom Stranger chiding the real world Larry Korea because not all of his book reviews are a perfect five stars, and he should strive for five star service all the time. The second book is called A Murder of Manatees. Uh, manatees are another running joke, but again, there's, there's a character who's a manatee. His name is Wendell. He drives a monster truck. He talks trash on call of duty. Um, you don't have to be familiar with the jokes, you know, to, to laugh at what's just presented in the book. The final installment, so far as I understand, or at least it's the third installment, um, comes out in just a few days. It's called number one in customer service. And uh, if you were, if you have an Audible account, you get it there. It'll have all three of those books, along with a couple of other short stories. And uh, from what I understand, these books are also finally available in print. Uh, Larry's got two short story collections out that are, you know, all unique pieces of his own, um, called Target Rich Environment, Volumes One and Volume Two. Volume Two just came out in hardcover. Volume One is now available in paperback. So if you wanted to go pick up uh, an affordable copy of that, you know, supposing that you're new to Korea and his work, you can go swing by your local bookstore and, and grab it. They'll almost always have Larry Korea books in stock. His last name is spelled C-O-R-R-E-I-A. It's the Portuguese spelling, not like the name of the country, which is another joke that he makes in the first book. Um, but the Target Rich Environment series will have a number of different short stories that he wrote across a couple of different genres. Some are even in uh, you know established and copyrighted worlds. Like I think he's got a story from Alien versus Predator. There was an anthology that came out, you know, officially licensed and all that, and he's got a story in there. And if I understand right, it was republished in Target Rich Environment. But the Tom Stranger stories, the first one is is there in Target Rich Environment. So uh, you can pick it up there in print, or you can pick up you know the first one on Audible for uh, a pretty cheap and affordable price. So just if, if you're into some good short satire, like I said, each of these has been about two hours. And from what I found, you know, listening to them a couple of times, two hours is just the right length because uh, the thing with, with heavy comedy books is like if you were to watch a comedy movie and it was an hour, 45, two hours – that's that's just about the right length. If it goes on longer than that, you know the the constant onslaught of comedy can go from like a constant nine or a ten to you know becoming suddenly a a regular seven, which is not what you want to do with comedy. Comedy is kind of about peaks and valleys, whereas you know a, a two hour audiobook is just the right length before you start to kind of burn out on it. So I I found with the first one, you know I was I was laughing, I was laughing, I was laughing, and then finally it comes to the end, and I'm like. 
man, I hope this wraps up and it wrapped up really well. And it's like, okay, perfect. Good timing. Timing is hugely key to writing humor and comedy very well. So uh, I, I suspect that'll be the case with all of the, the short stories that uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom Stranger, that Larry Korea has written in the Strangerverse. So check those out. Like I said, in print, Target Rich Environment, Volume 1. The cover art on these books is also just hilarious and awesome because uh, it, it's done to stylistic perfection. There's no slouching in the artwork, but uh, the inside joke that's funny on that is... Uh, the artist went and visited Larry Korea in real life, had him do a couple of poses, took some pictures, and then just did highly detailed renderings, but, you know, added strong sci-fi elements. So he's got Larry Korea standing in his front yard in jeans and a polo shirt, holding a Tetsubo in one hand and a rifle in the other. But, uh, you know, using that pose and then using Larry Korea's actual face, he drew this highly rendered version of some space marine, you know, speed roping into... Uh, an environment overrun with aliens and tentacled monsters and stuff, and you know, still has the Tetsubo and the uh, the action rifle. Uh, but then that's the cover of um, of the first one. The second one is um, again, he, the artist went to Larry Korea's house and had Larry do this pose where he's like holding something over his head, and uh, Larry's wife is like kneeling next to him and holding his leg like on the cover of some you know old ripped shirt pulp. Uh, action adventure into Africa type novel. And uh, from that, the guy was able to do another highly rendered artistic picture of, of Larry, but painted like the main character from the God of war video games. And his his wife there like clinging to his leg and, and, you know, but the, in, in the art picture version of it, the the book cover version, Larry's like wielding this huge battle ax or something. It's just hilarious. And at the same time, it's, it's awesome. It's good quality craft work from the artist and it, it matches the content of the stories and the writing inside. So uh, that's it for today. Check out those books by, by Larry Korea and those other ones, that other one by, uh, by Butler and Richie. And that'll get you through Wednesday. Come back on Friday. We've got a few mailbag questions and then a few short stories of my own from times when I worked at Brimstone until then drive safe. See you out there.